you know, our generation, our number two leading cause of death is suicide, right? Talk about hopeless. Yeah. We're hungry for hope. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for more of than what we just see in life. And so just look at statistics wise, I see a, a generation that is longing for more than just what they see and they're desperate for more than what the world has to offer. And that's the thing, right? We have a generation that's looking for truth. There's nothing wrong to look for truth. We just so happen to look for it in all the wrong areas. And I love what the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In every generation, God has been faithful to bring revival to his people and spiritual awakening to nations. In almost all cases, those movements of the spirit were most evident among young people. Most modern day surveys indicate that up to 85% of all people who get saved are converted before the age of 30, most before the age of 25. One preacher described young people as kindling, which helps set fire to old logs. And we probably need to be set on fire, us old logs. Hi, and welcome to today's Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler, and I'm really excited about bringing today's show to you here on the Bot Radio Network. This was so ironic. I was frequenting a restaurant in Collierville, the Silver Caboose, which I love. Some of the best home cooking that you can get this side of the Mississippi. Our waitress, Denny, was so friendly. And as we got to talking, she found out that I was Byron Tyler, which is no big deal. I'm just a regular guy, okay? But somebody had recommended Todd Payne. She had met at a prayer meeting that we get together and share the story why she was in Memphis. So but that's kind of how this all came together. Now, Denny is outside the office, <laughs> but her sister, Nicole Stark, is here. Nicole, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint here on the Body Radio Thank Network. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward. We just met like moments ago. Sure did. And you got Catherine Cauldron. She's here too. This story I'm looking forward to unfolding as I open up the show and talk about God moving among young people as we see these revivals. It's pretty interesting. You know, George Whitfield began to preach at the age of 21 mm. and was one of the greatest preachers of the 1700s. He often spoke to crowds in excess of 30,000 people oh. with no amplification, no sound system, you know. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. Yale College in 1796, 26 Yale students founded an organization on campus called the Moral Society which discouraged profanity, immorality, and drinking. And by 1800, nearly one half of the college students were members of this group and credited with laying the foundation for four revivals that occurred later on that campus in the next few decades of the 19th century. In 1905, nearly one-fourth of the college students at Yale were part of the campus prayer meetings and Bible studies. Did you know that? That's phenomenal. You young ladies have a, a ministry that you brought all the way from California called Backyard Revival. I love that name. Yeah. So tell me about it. Yeah. So Kat and I, which Catherine, but I call her Kat. We'll call her Kat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, we come with a group of really more than just the two of us. Um, even my sister, who's outside of the store, there's about 20, probably 20, 25 young adults yeah. who we really met kind of birthed through 2020. Um, and so I think everybody remembers that year. But out of that year, we really felt like, so we were kind of shut down in California. We really couldn't do much. But cert when certain laws kind of loosened, we kind of started meeting in my backyard and just started to pray and have like a hangout. Nothing crazy. We played volleyball. We played a bunch of card games. Mm -hmm. And, and then we would kind of gather and just read our Bible and go around the word of God, listen to a message. And really out of that birth something, we have this saying now, like, what could God do with a group like ours, right? Um, if we just yield our hearts to him. And so from that 
like posture and from that position, we just began to seek the Lord, all 20, 25 of us and just said, God, what can you do with a young group like ours? Um, obviously we had no huge vision for it. We kind of were just hungry for the Lord to do something. Right. And and so God first began to do something in our hearts because before God can ever do anything through us, he's got to do something in us. So we recognized that that whole year, God was just working in our hearts, really stripping certain mm-hmm. things down, humbling us a lot. Um, and within that process, God gave us this vision to reach our backyard. And that's where Backyard Revival came from. Actually, I was driving, funny story, I was driving to the park. I'm a park girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> when I moved to Memphis, I saw trees and sky and I was like, oh man, I love love it already. But I was driving to the park just to spend some time with the Lord. And as I'm driving, I'm listening to this song. I don't even really remember, but I, I remember I'm just like listening and I'm, I'm jamming out as us young folks probably would say. And as soon as like I'm listening, I hear God say, hey, Nicole, what if one encounter is all it takes? And I question wow. it. What, what does that mean? And I remember he said again, what if one encounter is all it takes? And then he brought me to John 4. I get to the park. He brings me to John 4 and he brings this incredible, not just story, but true story mm-hmm. of the Samaritan woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And she's broken, right? She's lost. She, scripture says she's had five husbands. She's yeah. with someone who's not even her husband. Like right. she's broken. But yes, yeah, she's at this well and she encounters Jesus. Yeah. And she's like perplexed, like, Jesus, why are you talking to me? Mm-hmm. But yet this encounter with Jesus not only transforms her life, but so much so she goes back into her town and she's like, come and hear about a man who told me all that I've ever done, right? <laughs> she like tells the story. And then as we continue to read, we recognize that her whole town, majority of her town comes to the feet of Jesus. And that's when the Lord just started to speak to us. Mm-hmm. What if that's all it takes for a generation to come to know me, but then not only that, but to bring the story and the gospel of Jesus to their schools, to their families, to their workplaces. And really out of that kind of moment at the park with the Lord for me, really kind of birthed this backyard revival. So Kat, go back to the backyard. Where were you spiritually at that time? I mean, we'd gone through this pandemic and shut down and everybody was kind of closed off and isolated, but you're you're starting to have some time together and fellowship with your friends. Where were you at? Absolutely. That place in my life was a very interesting crossroad, I call it, because I had just graduated high school, fresh out of high school, going into my first year of college. I had just gotten out of a unequally yoked relationship. My heart was in a million pieces, but I knew the Lord. And so meeting in this backyard with a group of other young adults who were trying to find their footing in the Lord was such a beautiful time, but a very stretching time. It stretched my faith. It stretched my patience. It stretched my heart. It stretched me to trust people again. And so it was this beautiful crushing season, I call it, because it crushed the old and the new came forth. So it was a beautiful time, but it was very, very stretching in the best way possible. Whether you're a young adult like yourself or you're almost 62 like I am, to be stretched, Mm. to be broken really over our sin, our condition before God, Holy Heavenly Father, He invites us into this fellowship, right? Yes, He does. Right. No, He does. And I think that's the beauty of kind of what we've discovered too, is that it's not so religious, but it's this invitation to be in relationship with Jesus. Yes. And I think that's why for us, it's been such an enjoyable journey to walk through because it's not... You know, for young people, I think when you think of Jesus and you think of Christianity, you automatically assume rules and regulations, whether for us, we look at it as freedom. Yes. And and I, I think we both look at our lives. I think even speaking for both Kat and I, the last couple of years have been like the 
best years, yeah. at least for me, to be able to, to go, man, I was crushed in certain areas, but yeah. I don't live a life of like fear. I'm not, I'm not like succumb to the pressure of maybe what other right. people right. may walk through, not yeah. because I'm perfect, yeah. but because I've entered this relationship with Jesus and he's led me to life more abundantly. And it's beautiful. Oh, it's it is. Fun. Well, last year we watched as revival swept across colleges yes. and universities nationwide, like Asbury, Lee, Sanford, mm-hmm. Cedarville, Belmont, which are all private Christian universities. Yeah. We also witnessed similar movements of revival at public institutions mm-hmm. like LSU, Western mm-hmm. Kentucky University, Texas A&M. I believe Auburn was also on that list, among others. What are your thoughts about these examples of revival mm-hmm. or a movement of God among college students? Yeah. We know the Bible says that the harvest is plentiful. Right, it's ready. It's actually ripe. I love what Jesus even says in John 4, look and see mm-hmm. for the, the harvest is ripe. And I think that's what we're noticing throughout, yeah. Cal- not just California, but throughout America is that there are young people who've tasted and seen not the truth of God. Right. And that when God comes, all of a sudden there's something inside of every single person that desires to, to know Jesus. We were created to be loved and to mm-hmm. love the Lord. And so when things like that happen, I think it's evident that people are hungry to know the truth of who Jesus is. You know, I was listening to Adrian Rogers speak this morning. He has a program here on Bot Radio Network, and he was talking about hooking up individuals to lie detector tests. And one of the questions asked in this particular session they were doing among different people who not believe in God. And mm-hmm. they would ask him, do you believe in God? And they would answer the question, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. But the lie detector test always proved the opposite because inside, something inside us, we know there's a creator. Yes. Yeah, we there's tried, a hunger. Yeah, there's a hunger there. Yeah. Uh, how desperate do you think that today's generation desires to know their purpose in life and desire to discover hope and a love that really is real? Yeah, I think very desperate. I think, you know, we talked about this just outside a moment ago with you and some of your team that, you know, our generation, our number two leading cause of death is suicide, right? Talk about hopeless. Yeah. We're hungry for hope. We're looking for a purpose. We're looking for more of than what we just see in life. And so just look at statistics wise, I see a generation that is longing for more than just what they see and they're desperate for more than what the world has to offer. And that's the thing, right? We have a generation that's looking for truth. There's nothing wrong to look for truth. We just so happen to look for it in all the wrong areas. And I love what the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And I think when we get to invite people to who Jesus is, a loving God, who loves you, who died on the cross for you, who has abundant life for you. When young people can encounter that Jesus, the true Jesus, I'm telling you, it'll change. It's no longer, oh my gosh, you're mad at me and you're disappointed for everything I've done, but actually you love me and you welcome me and you forgive my sins. You restore me and lead me to a life worth living. And so I think they're hungry. Kat, I saw where LifeWay Research did this survey back in 2019. It said 66% of young adults surveyed ages 22 to 30 said that they stopped attending church at least one year between the ages of 18 to 22. Mm-hmm. Of those 31% return and now attend, 39% attend infrequently, 29% do not attend at all. Where do you think the church is failing to connect with young adults? I'm not sure where all the churches are failing, but I would say as the body of Christ, if we could be more like Jesus, I think we'd see more come to the feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Nicole just mentioned that when we introduce people to Jesus, yes, he is truth and he is love. And so I believe that in bringing people to the feet of Jesus, 
instead of harming them with our words for their sin, we love on them. And it's not that we accept the sin, but we love on them and we bring them in just the way that Jesus would, the way that he had the encounter with the woman at the well. He confronted her, but he loved her and he addressed her. He didn't turn her away. He wasn't afraid of her sin. He wasn't negligent of her sin. He embraced her right where she was at. And so I believe that as the church, if we were to be more like Jesus, less afraid of people's sin and more concerned with where their eternity lies, that we would see revival truly strike in the church and in the young people. Wow, what a good word. You know, the late Leonard Ravenhill said, revival is when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented that he shows himself. Mm. What do you see as the greatest way believers are misrepresenting Christ in the world? You know, we talk about letting the world see the real Jesus. Jesus calls us to a different life. Yeah, yeah. I think, again, to Kat's point, I think there are incredible, many incredible churches, but I think at the same time too, there's just the reality of there are a lot of people in our generation who have been hurt mm-hmm. um, by the church. Uh, and that's okay because people are people and people right. will hurt you. But I think the reality is, is to Kat's point, just to love well. I'm at the same time too, to share the truth, right? I right. think you've got to have love and truth. So I, I love what Kat said is you've got to love them where they're at, but not love them and keep them there. I'm going to love you where you're at, but I'm going to tell you the truth and lead you to the life of freedom God has for you. You know, I I think, too, as we look at the the early church in in Acts, there was relationship conflicts. I mean, people, like I said, people are people, right? right? Yeah, totally. Totally. (laughs) Uh, Why do you think that we see revival start with young people at a higher percentage than Mm. we might somebody like my own self? We're too crusty, maybe? (laughs) No, maybe I think it's experience. You know, when you have a child, it's easy to believe in Santa Claus because they believe anything. I think young people, they're almost like, okay, I I don't have most of the experience that maybe other people have had. And so it's almost easier to believe, right? They kind of come in with this childlike faith of like, God, if this is what you said, then I'm going to go for it. And I think we've noticed a lot of young people who heard things or seen things and they're like, I'm just going to go for it and see Mm -hmm. what happens. Um, And I think that's because they're not tainted by maybe their age or experiences in life. There's just more of a, a youngness, a youthfulness, which is normal. It's this childlikeness of, I'm just going to go for it. In fact, that's something I don't want to lose yeah. mm-hmm. as I continue to go. I, I pray that often, like, Lord, would I continue to have a childlike faith that what you say, Lord, no matter how crazy it sounds to me, God, but I always just go, I'm going to obey that. Yeah. Didn't Jesus say, such is the kingdom of heaven? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he talked about yes. the children, yeah. suffer them to come to me. Okay. So, yeah. It all started in Anaheim, California. That's correct. And through this backyard time together with getting together and praying and worshiping the Lord, I want you to tell the story of how God led you to do something at Angel Stadium. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier ago that we just met in my backyard. Super simple. We would go every Sunday night. We still mm-hmm. meet every Sunday night to this day, now in California and in Memphis, mm-hmm. which is really, really rad. But yeah, after my park experience, went home, called just a couple of our leadership team. I was like, Hey, well, when I say leadership team, by the way, bunch of like young 20 year olds. Okay. So (laughs) let me just preface that called some of the leaders quote unquote. And I said, Hey, I got, I feel like I got something from the Lord. Can we pray about it? And so we gathered about 14 people. I believe you were, Mm -hmm. you were there, right. In my backyard again. And we just prayed and we prayed for about two hours. And I I basically shared the vision and I said, Hey, I feel like God is going to tell y'all what the location is. Cause God gave the vision one encounter is all it takes. But then he said, gather the team. Cause I'm going to tell y'all where the vision is going to take place. And so we assumed that's problem. Number one, <laughs> that it was going to be at our local city hall. But through that two hour prayer, we kind of just went around everybody <laughs> and, after asking everybody, hey, what are you sensing God is saying? Pretty much everyone described the location. Mm-hmm. And then the last person said, hey, I really sense that the Lord is saying Angel Stadium. And at that point, I about passed out. 
because I had no connection. None of us had connection to Angel Stadium. That's a major league <laughs> baseball stadium in our local community there. I was so nervous. But at the end of that prayer gathering, I felt like, you know, if that's what God said, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And my kind of motto is like, what do I got to lose saying yes for Jesus? Like nothing. Right. I already lost my life for yeah. him anyways. So we went for it. I, I grabbed a buddy of mine, Nate Torres, shout out. And I said, hey, would you call Angel Stadium every single day until they pick up? And for a month straight, he called Angel Stadium, got no callback. Finally, after a month later, Angel Stadium calls us back. And basically he says like, hey, we want to rent out Angel Stadium. What does that look like? And the lady on the other line was like, awesome. Here's kind of what that looks like. Um, what dates were you thinking? We threw up some date ideas and she said, great. The price range though is going to be $1.7 million. Let's say that again. $1.7 million okay. to rent out Angel Stadium. Mm-hmm. So Nate goes, okay, can I put you on hold? Let me call Nicole. He calls me and he's like, hey, I'm on the phone with Angel Stadium. It's $1.7 million. What should I do? Now I got this word from the Lord. So I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know what else to do other than tell them yes. Right. So he's like, are you sure? I'm like, call and, and say yes to Angel Stadium. So he calls and gets back on the phone with Angel Stadium and says, book the stadium. And we go into this incredible about eight month journey of getting Angel Stadium. Now, mind you, we have no money. Mm -hmm. We're a group of young adults who met in the backyard. Mm -hmm. Like literally, we have nothing. Okay. And so $1.7 million, I'm thinking, where in the world is that going to come from? And I remember the Lord just says, Nicole, not one time will you have to negotiate? So I said, okay, we called our leaders because in the multitude of counsel, you wage your war. So we we reached out to our pastors, our mentors, our leaders. We shared the vision. They were in agreement with it. They helped plan things with us. And throughout that course, Angel Stadium, as we were negotiating the contract, every single time on the phone, they would say, hey, we're looking at the contract and the price doesn't sit right with us. We're going to drop the price. We're going to drop the price. And they dropped the price about six times. We ended up paying 10% of the original price for Angel Stadium, which I will never forget the room still I was more, in. Still more money in your bank account, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> no, but at that time, I was just, I remember the Lord saying, I told you, you're not going to negotiate not one time. And now when these funds, we just started to raise funds. We yeah. started to reach out. And when I say the Lord provided every single yes, thing, yeah. the Lord provided mm-hmm. every single thing. We had an organization donate 50,000 flyers to us for free. And then not only that, but we wanted to give out pens and journals to every single person that attended Angel Stadium, the event. And we were able to print out 50,000 journals and that was also given to us Mm -hmm. for free. And the Lord just came and just provided, even we had billboards all around like Anaheim and in LA and the Lord provided funds to get billboards on those streets. And it was, it was just an incredible, I remember so many times we would just stop and we Mm -hmm. would go, no way like we have like no like business experience we have no stadium thing experience nothing like we came in this with no experience what i am thankful for is the community god gave us we had incredible pastors incredible leaders my my pastor is near and dear to my heart i just honor them and love them but they came with an incredible team that really did support and bless us did you have any idea at all how god wanted to arrange the format of the event once you got there for the big day. Yeah. So everything we did was we just prayed. Mm -hmm. We kind of asked the Lord, Lord, what is this look like literally everything there is not one thing where we thought okay we've got it we just brought everything before him and he showed us and so i remember as we were praying for the you know the sets the set list the worship songs the flow service we felt like the lord said i want you to have an opener so simple i want you to have worship here's how long worship is going to be and speak and then do an altar call and so that's what we did and then at the end of our our message we had something that we really launched called 
be our cruise and what took place on our Sunday nights. We really created something so that people can take into their backyard yeah. so that what happened to us doesn't stay with us. I mean, it was, there's an app also that created as a result of the gathering, right? Yeah, so we have a website. All of our stuff is on our website, but we are working with it's an app called Jesus Disciple. And so we have a network in there called Backyard Revival. And through that, you could really go through a, really a five-week discipleship program to where you and your friends can get to know more about Jesus. And not only that, but get to be discipled together. Okay, ladies, you believe that God has called your team to Memphis to do what he did in Anaheim at Angel Stadium and continues to go on, not just as yeah. a, an event. And really, how do you keep a stadium-type gathering from being more than just hype? Totally. Because there's been a lot of Christian events over the years and gatherings that'll meet in these big arenas, and then everybody goes home, and, and there's no difference, there's no life change. Everybody had mm -hmm. a good experience. Yeah. How does this more than just a good experience? Great question. Yeah, I think for us, it's something we've wrestled through in prayer. Mm -hmm. And I, I mentioned this Jesus Disciple app. And so Jesus Disciple, really what we want to do is not have a gathering for a gathering's sake, but when they gather, what do they go home with? Something that we're going to do here in the city of Memphis that we actually didn't do in Anaheim is we're going to launch something called Be Our Cruise that is really tied into equipping every person who attends to go back into their backyard and to reach their community, their local community. So their school, their workplaces, their families, whatever that is. And we're gonna do it through what we call the Jesus Disciple app. And it's a five week, really not, pro I wouldn't call it program, but really discipleship, Sessions. evangelism yeah. course where, where anybody can take it. All you have to do is take one or two more people, you go through this app and it literally will disciple you on who Jesus is and how to be like Jesus and how to reach your community. Our heart is to not have a gathering for a gathering's sake. I think Billy Graham even said, one of the things that he wished he did was to disciple more people. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I think we can have a lot of evangelistic events, but what does it look like for people to actually take that mm -hmm. encounter like the woman yes. at the well and bring it back mm -hmm. into their backyard? And so through really what we've been working on, which we call phase three, the in-house, um, we call this thing called phase three, but what we're really creating is how can we equip every attendee to go and reach their backyard yeah. so that it's not just another gathering. Cat plans specifically for backyard revival here in Memphis mm -hmm. As you look at this new year, what are you guys seeing? I think one of the biggest things that stands out to me, and maybe because I have my hands so deep in yeah. it, but is Jesus Clubs. We actually partner with schools. This is something we did in California. But in California, we would go on to public high schools and we'd preach the gospel and bring free food. So we're looking to do things similar in Memphis with the young people, because like Nicole mentioned earlier, and you as well, the harvest is plentiful. Mm -hmm. And with yeah. the young people, they're hungry. One thing we've noticed here in Memphis is the average young person probably goes through just about the same amount as an average adult in California. And so what we're looking to do is bring the gospel to our high school students and just partner with them in prayer. So that's something that I yeah. see for the new year, for sure. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. So do you actually see a stadium event here in yeah, Memphis yeah. like you had in Anaheim? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So something Kat didn't mention that she's also working on <laughs> is she's really overseeing our next stadium gathering. And so we're having and planning our stadium gathering in the upcoming spring at AutoZone Park towards the end of March is our goal, but we will be having our second backyard revival gathering. And the goal is AutoZone Park. And we're believing that young people 
would come, anybody wow. really, to come into AutoZone Park to worship with us, to encounter Jesus, and then two, that they would be equipped to reach their own communities. Wow. Yeah. That's just God. I mean, this is God working in the hearts of his people. Mm. Scripture talks about how he reconciles us to himself so that we can be reconcilers mm, the world good. to him, you know? Yeah. And that's what we're here for, right? right. That's yeah. really our purpose as yeah. we look at it. Totally. Ultimately, is to make disciples. Right. Yes. And that's why we're here. And that's what God yes. is leading you to do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we're excited about it. Again, we're so honored. And I think one of the things too that we're excited about is really not coming into Memphis to fix something, right. but coming into Memphis to partner with those yes. yeah. who've already labored. I'm yeah. telling you, as we've just been in here the last couple months, we've noticed so many pastors and leaders and just yes. really parents who have yeah. been praying for the city. And so we're here to say, we're not here to take anything mm -hmm. over, but we're here to partner with what you've already yeah. begun. Well. And we just want to see youth and young adults in the city of Memphis yeah. encounter Jesus and go in their backyards right. and tell them about what God's done in their lives. That's right. Kat, what ways can our listeners connect with Backyard Revival here in our city? And is there a place to meet and discover more? Yeah. So we have our website, which is accessible to anyone around the world, right? But we've got backyardrevival.org. And then on Friday nights, if you'd like to connect with us more, we actually have worship and prayer for the city of Memphis at Memphis Tabernacle Church. And we do move buildings here and there, but we do keep updated on all of that on social media at Backyard Revival on Instagram. A web address again is? Is backyardrevival.org. I just feel like I'm taking a big drink from a fire hose just now <laughs> of just God's blessing and love and joy in this space, ladies. And I just praise God for your story and what he's doing. We give him the praise, right? right. He deserves yes. the praise. And we want to give him all the praise to lift That's up right. Jesus so that all men will be drawn to him. Friends, this is something that we need to be praying about. You know, we're looking at the statistics of our city. We look at the crime. We look at all of the bad things we see. And we're just staying in our churches, staying in our doors. No, we've got to embrace and engage this through prayer mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit, trusting him to do what only he can do. No, if we don't have a million and a half dollars, God does. He's got more than That's that, right? right? And yes, so whatever it takes for this to take place, we need to pray that God would move That's and right. that we would be those available, humble, broken instruments in his hand. Yeah. What do you think? I think that's great. Yeah, I think <laughs> any partnership, any prayer, I, I really think partner in prayer. And let's believe and see God move in the lives of young people. Yeah. This cannot be the last time you're here, okay? We're going to have to have you yes. come back, especially with this approaching yes. event coming yes. up in March. Absolutely. So let me know. we got more information to give the listeners. Yes. We'll keep it out in front of them. Please so let's, let's do this, okay? Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> well, friend, uh, we have to say goodbye as we talk with the folks from Backyard Revival. This has been wonderful. We're going to say goodbye till next time. Thanks for listening. I'm Byron Tyler. Hope you have a great afternoon. Bye-bye. If you would like to listen to today's show again, go to BotRadioNetwork.com and look for Mid-South Viewpoint under the broadcast tab. The show is also available on your favorite podcast platforms. Some shows have video of the interviews as well and can be viewed at Byron Tyler Radio on YouTube or on our Bot Radio Network mobile app.